welcome back to the Everything Jesus podcast. I'm Dr. Billy Birch, and this is my wife, Kim. Hi, everybody. And we're in episode 49. And if you remember last episode, we talked about the crucifixion, but we talked about it in light of the prophecies. Right. We were looking at how things were predicted in the Old Testament about what it would look like when the Messiah, this promised Savior, this promised King, would die. What would it look like? And a lot of details were given. And there are a little more than 20 specific prophecies from the Old Testament, hundreds of years Mm -hmm. before that were written, that then were fulfilled exactly to the last detail in Jesus's final days. Yeah. So if you listen to episode 48, you'll hear all of that. But I think what we wanted to do today is go back to the crucifixion again and really take a look at what the scriptures say about it. And, and in light of what we read, we will gain a new appreciation. Um, every, every time I read it, I gain a new appreciation mm-hmm. for what Jesus had to do for us and how all this came down. And, and it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that um, I don't want to skip over something as well, just, just how important the cross mm-hmm. is. I mean, think about the cross, mm-hmm. you know, it's our symbol now. Yeah. It right. used to not be that. Right. You know what I mean? So somehow the image of the cross sums up the entire story for a Christian. We yes. see a cross and we know that That's represents right. Christianity. That represents something really important to me. I have a cross necklace that I wear because it matters to me what happened it, on the cross. So true. And man, if you really think about this, like, how did a, an instrument of execution become the mm-hmm. symbol for an entire, you know, religion? You right, know, if you look right. at it objectively, it's just like, wow, then something had to happen through the cross that was so significant. There's a word in the English language called synodoche, and what it means is it's one word that it, that's a part of something that represents the whole of something. Okay. So, let me give you an example. When, when you say, hey, nice wheels... It means somebody has a nice car, but you've said nice wheels, and it's just a part of the whole, but everybody knew exactly what you meant when you said that. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, some people say, hey, nice crib, when, when, okay. when they talk about a nice house, you uh-huh. know? And, and it's the same way with the cross. Mm-hmm. It is the cross that represents the whole of what our faith stands for. Right. You know, the, the turning point of the whole story, the, it, the whole Bible, the turning point of the story of all of history yeah. is the turning point is the cross. Yeah. So f- for you as the listener, last episode, this episode, and probably the next episode yeah. are the most important for you to listen to, yeah. understand, and just see them in, in glowing color because yeah. this is the center point of the story. It, it sure is. And, you know, I find it really interesting too, because it's, you know, I, I hear often people will say things like, man, you just got to take it to the cross. Mm. And I believe that. And I think it's a good statement. You know, if, if we have committed a sin or we need a new start or, mm-hmm. or we need, you know, a renewed faith mm-hmm. or strength, man, go to the cross, yeah. go to the cross. And it means go to Jesus in all of his authority, mm-hmm. in all of his power. So even when we say it that way, we're including the resurrection in sure. that because yeah. it's a part of the whole, but it represents the whole. Yeah. You know, a song that I love to listen to, and I was especially listening to it a lot around Easter time 
the the phrase that keeps cycling in this song is the cross has the final word. Yeah. And it really does. The cross speaks something to us. What went on on the cross? There is a finality to it that it still resonates today. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk about the crucifixion coming out of the book of Luke, out of his account of the gospel. We might interject some of the other gospels in this, but why don't we read of the crucifixion? According to Luke. Okay, so we'll find this here in Luke chapter 23, and we're going to pick up at verse 26. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child, and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. So what we have here is the account of the crucifixion actually says he was nailed to a cross. Mm-hmm. And I want to I don't want to skip over something that has always been a confusion to me early on when I was looking at scripture and and looking at things and people when they come across Galatians 3:13 they they find this to be very confusing. It says in Galatians 3:13 says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Mm. And, and what that is saying is that if you are hanging on a tree, and that was a way that they talked about crucifixion. Mm. Sometimes they would actually hang somebody on a tree, on the limbs of a tree, and it would oh, look wow. very, very much like a crucifixion. But Paul is here quoting something all the way back in the Old Testament in the Levitical laws that says, curses anyone who hangs from a tree, because you don't want to have that body just up there mm-hmm. days and days and days. There's a, you know, there's a curse, oh, it's an unclean, yeah. it's humiliating, it, it is, it, it's all of that. So how's Jesus cursed? Mm. You know, here, here's the son of God. He lived a perfect life. He was innocent in every way, shape or form. How's he cursed? Mm. You know what I mean? And I always find that, uh, uh, you know, every time I talk about the crucifixion, it's like, man, that is really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. But I think we need to look at it this way because in, um, if you remember in Numbers chapter 6, there's a very, very familiar passage that talks about the blessing of the Lord. I'm going to read it, and everyone who's listening will probably remember or at least 
you know, recognize this. Mm -hmm. It says, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Mm -hmm. So if the blessing of the Lord is to shine his face on you, then the curse of the Lord is when he turns his back on you. Okay. You yes. see what I'm saying? Okay. And so what it's basically saying is that there is going to be a moment in this crucifixion, and we're going to get to it, mm-hmm. where God had to literally turn his back on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But I just wanted to say that because um, it's like, that's a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. When it's talking about Jesus being cursed, Jesus of all people would not be cursed, would okay. he? Okay. Well, in that instance, he was. Okay. And, it, and that was a, another fulfillment of the prophecy, you know, of, a, of an Old Testament prophecy coming from the Leviticus saying, cursed is anyone who hangs from a tree. And that mm. curse was when God had to turn his back on mm. him. So. Okay. And so, again, he is experiencing the curse that is deserved by us, the penalty for our sin is that yeah. God would turn away from yeah. us. He would turn away from our sin because of his holiness, right? That's he right. can't relate to us in our sinful state because he is a holy and righteous and perfect God. So Jesus is going to experience God turning his back on on Jesus instead of him turning God turning his back on us. That's exactly right. And when I read Galatians 3:13, that's exactly what it's saying. I'm going to reread okay. one part of it. It says when he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Mm. And he himself became cursed to take our curse. Yeah. You know, and it's very uh man, that that's so meaningful. So anyway, um going from there, Jesus said, "Father, forgive them." for they don't know what they are doing. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing, too. Mm-hmm. Jesus is pronouncing a forgiveness um, out, of the, out of his heart, out of the overflow of his heart. What was in Jesus' heart was not hatred. Mm-hmm. It was not vengeance. It was, Father, forgive them. I mean, you think about why Jesus came. Yes. He came because he wanted to forgive. And he had this act of the cross of the crucifixion was the very thing that, that Jesus wanted to do to forgive people. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I love that in those words, he's summing up the point of what he's doing. He is satisfying God's wrath and providing an opportunity for forgiveness for mankind. And he's speaking over over the people that are gathered there, but really he speaks that desire to forgive across all generations, all the way to today, that he would say, God, look on me, look on my sacrifice and forgive these people. Yeah. And and it's, it's a telling thing because he could say the same thing about all of us. Forgive them, please, God, mm. forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They, they, their minds are all messed up. They, they're, they're involved in things they shouldn't be. They think it's making their life work, you know what I mean? Yeah. And all these things are probably just, just kind of surrounding Jesus' thoughts and his emotions, and it just comes out, forgive them, yeah. you know, out of, out of his heart. It's right. just... That's his he knows heart for us. he knows we are but dust. He knows mm-hmm. where we originated and he has now experienced it as a human being having walked on the earth for these years. Yeah. And he is saying, "God, these are broken people. I'm asking for you to extend forgiveness to them on my behalf because of this sacrifice. Yeah. Extend forgiveness to them." Yeah. 
In verse 32, we talked about two others, both criminals who were let out to be executed with him. And we're going to circle back around to what happened to these two criminals mm-hmm. that were crucified with Jesus. Have you ever seen a classic crucifixion scene where Jesus is in the middle and there are two others being crucified? Luke tells us all about that, but there's a little bit we're going to read until we get there. Right. It is so interesting as we're going through this to look at the response from the various people who were there. So um, we'll talk about the criminals in a minute, like you said, but picking up in verse 35, let's listen to what this group of people, how they're responding. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it's a good point you mentioned when you said we're going to talk about the crowds. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about the two criminals, because the two criminals are representing the crowds. Okay. If you think about it, the the one criminal is saying the exact same thing that the crowds are shouting. If you're really the Messiah, save yourself. And this guy's just saying, you need to save me too. And if you're really him. And the other criminal is like, wait a minute, he's done nothing wrong. He is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And there was a mixed crowd And the majority of the crowd was against Jesus, and obviously, but there were some people in the crowd that were believers, albeit very confused as as to what is going on here, Mm -hmm. their their leader and and the the miracle worker hanging on a cross, Mm -hmm. about to die. Very confusing, but it represented the, the, the two parts of the crowd. Sure. Isn't that yeah, I had read something in getting ready for this that said, you know, when we when we've seen this in movies, you've got maybe 20 people standing around the cross. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, it would have been thousands and maybe even tens of thousands of people who had wow. come to see this crucifixion. Yeah. This was the most historic execution by crucifixion that had ever happened Mm. or ever would happen and the crowd the mass of people that would have been there and Mm -hmm. like you're saying each one of them needed to choose between two options of how to respond Mm -hmm. you see the one represented by the first criminal who is scoffing and rejecting jesus and then the other criminal who is honoring of him and accepting him And each person in that crowd is making the decision to respond to what they're seeing in one of those two ways. Right. And today, each of us Mm -hmm. chooses to respond in one of those two ways, either to scoff at that, to scoff at what went on the cross, what went on on the cross and reject it, or to honor this sacrifice that's being made and accept it, receive it personally for, for oneself. Yeah. And everybody has to come to that. Everybody has to come to that place, whether you're listening now and, and 
or, or you know somebody who's going to listen to this or, or somebody you're talking, everybody has to make this decision on who is Jesus. It's not so much different than Jesus asking Peter, who do people say I am? Okay. Well, now he's getting a real answer of the real time what people think he, of him. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's represented in these two criminals. Mm-hmm. Something else that I've often wondered is, you know, picture this, you know, the, the two criminals fully deserve to be on those crosses dying next mm-hmm. to Jesus. Yeah. Who should have been that third one? It should have been Barabbas, right? The one who was released. That's true. That's and instead, true. Jesus ends up on the cross in place of Barabbas. I have often wondered if Barabbas showed up in the crowd. Man. Because he knew question. he deserved to be there. And what would his experience have been looking up and seeing literally this man substituting for him? Mm-hmm. You know, so he would have understood it in a different way that Jesus' death meant point. his life. And that's also a true point for us that yeah. Jesus is on that cross substituting for each, each person who will receive that for themselves. As, as clearly and vividly as he was substituting for Barabbas, he substitutes for us on that cross. That's such a good point. I always thought this was a really good story uh, also when people ask me, what happens when you die? Mm. You know, because there is a whole, a whole lot of theology, a whole lot of in, in, in Thessalonians and Revelation and things like that that talk about when we die and actually, you know, do we... Do we kind of just sleep and nothing happens until the second coming of Christ when he brings everybody back with him? The dead in Christ shall rise first, all of that. And the answer is no, you will be with Jesus face to face the moment you die. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you're a believer in Jesus. Yeah. And that, that's the proof right there. Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Right. Yeah, so that's his response to the criminal who has honored and accepted him, Yeah, that that person would be with him in paradise. Now let's talk about his actual death. Mm -hmm. So picking up at verse 44, by this time it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, They went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. So, you know, when you read this, it is, it it just, I don't know, man. It's just one of those scenes that, Mm -hmm. that is, it's an epic scene. It is a, an emotional scene and it causes something in us. Uh, at least for me, that's a little bit heavy every time I read it. Right. And I feel like it's almost symbolized by the fact that darkness came over the area. 100%. You know, when you read that, it's it's so interesting. From noon until 3 p.m., it was dark. 
The light from the sun was gone. And you wonder what the Lord is trying to convey through that, just the somberness of what's happening here. Absolutely, man. You know, and there is a sense that Jesus had come to redeem all of mankind and all of nature. Mm. There's verses in there to talk about that, that, that the earth is groaning for Jesus to come back and make all things right again. Well, this very person, Hmm. you know, is about to be crucified Hmm. and the son of God is about to die. How can there be any light? You know Hmm. what I mean? It's almost like God has just, just put darkness over the whole earth because that's what the whole earth was feeling. You know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it. And kind of interesting too, because, you know, he, Jesus is the light of the world, right? That was one of his titles, light of the world. And this light of the world is in his humanity is being extinguished at this moment. So how symbolic that God would say, I'm going to show you visually what is happening here spiritually. He, this light is being extinguished. Yes. And I don't want to miss this this part about the curtain in the temple. I just think this is amazing too. Mm. It says, suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. That's wow. That's miraculous. That was God tearing that down the middle. That was a miraculous, you know, you could say that, well, it just happened. No, no, no. This was the very reason Jesus came. Yes. So that people could enter into the Holy of Holies through Jesus, not through a priest, not through a holy of holies that you could be struck dead if you mm-hmm. did not go in there and you were not a high priest and living right, okay? Right. Um, but it was open to everyone now. Yeah. That is significant. Yeah. So significant. So what you're referring to is back in the Old Testament, the way the Lord had set up it, sort of a a structure, a, the way the people could worship him, the way the people could relate to him. Mm-hmm. And it was very structured, very strict. And this one special part of the temple, they couldn't even go into because yeah. this curtain divided yeah. it. And how often? Once a year, the priest mm-hmm. was allowed to Day go of in? Atonement. Was a mm-hmm. oh boy, how, how appropriate yeah. that it was yeah. on the Day of Atonement yeah. that there was access given. And here God is ripping that cloud apart, that curtain apart yeah. and saying, this is the ultimate day of atonement. Everyone may go in who wants to. That's right. That is so right. I, I can't help but go back to the, to the gospel of Mark right here and just read this account of, of the noon through three o'clock. It says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Most of our versions say, why have you forsaken me? And I'm going to go back to the curse. That was at that point when God had to turn his back on Jesus and turn his face away from that, because at that moment where Jesus was on the cross, He was the most hideous sight in the eyes of God. Why? Because all the sins of the whole world were placed on Jesus in that moment, Mm -hmm. and God could not look at that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so Jesus saying, why have you forsaken me? Because he he knew that God had to turn his back for that instant, Mm -hmm. for that split second or that minute or what? who knows, but that was the curse. Curse is anyone who hung from a tree. The curse was... God 
did not bless by his, may his face shine upon you. He had to turn his face from something that was so awful. Yeah. You know, yeah. because of the sin. Mm-hmm. It was 100% because of all the sin of the world right there. Yeah. However that looked to God. Right, right. So none of us could do that hmm. for, for ourselves even because we are sinful. Right. Jesus right. was perfect and therefore he could take on the penalty for everyone else's sin because he yeah. didn't have any of his own that he yeah. needed to atone for. And you read all the way through and it says, you know, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. And that was, that, that was the death. Yeah. And, and people often do ask, you know, why did Jesus have to die? Mm-hmm. Isn't there another way? There could have been another way possibly for Jesus to do this. But um, there's a couple places that we can go to in Scripture. And if I read this passage in Hebrews, which I will in Hebrews chapter 9, I'm going to read this whole chunk of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And it explains it perfectly. And I think that what is so interesting about this is, of course it does. I mean, this is writing a letter to the Hebrew people. Okay, so to the Jewish people, to explain to them their own salvation. Make sure they didn't miss it. Yeah, and and explain why there had to be a blood sacrifice. Okay. And the Jewish people would have already understood that. They would have never questioned it. Why did there have to be someone who died? Why did it have to be a blood sacrifice? They would have been like... Oh, I'm going back to the going back to once again the Day of Atonement, okay. where where a bull had to be offered on the altar, and two goats had to be killed, and I don't I don't have to get into all that, but it was a it was a blood sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? Um, that that God demanded blood, and it was just the way He forgave sins, mm-hmm. you know. But I'll go back to some of the things that you were saying in in a previous episode about the Passover. The, the, the lamb that was slain so they could take the blood and put it on the door frames yeah. is another example of that, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. But here's what it says in Hebrews uh, chapter 9, starting in verse 22. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into the heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. And yeah. that's why. Right, yeah. There had to be a blood sacrifice. Right, and it was repeated over and over in the Old Testament, they could not do enough to permanently eradicate the stain of sin. Right. 
that right. that sacrifice had to be done year after year after year. Jesus came and did it perfectly and does it once, yeah. once for all. Yes. I was reminded of when Jesus was um, explaining the Last Supper to his disciples, and this is what he said. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. So there he's explaining ahead of time his blood would be poured out as a sacrifice for forgiveness of sins. true. So true. You know, and this to me is one of the... The things that, again, it lends, it just gives me a security in the validity of the Christian faith, okay? If Jesus had to die to to be a sacrifice for sin, he's the only one in history that has done this, okay? Every other religious system doesn't have a once-for-all sacrifice for sin. That's right. You're just hoping that you're, you know, you're The good is more than the bad. Yes. The scales way out, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So if we could earn our way back to God, then we better darn do it, right? You you better be good enough to do it. We can't. If we could have, Jesus would have never ended up on the cross. So the fact that Jesus had to die, to me, disproves every other religious system Mm. that takes that out of the equation. Mm -hmm. Because God would not have orchestrated for his own son to die if it hadn't been absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. That, to me, says, this is the way. You you wonder if this Roman officer was thinking along Uh, those lines. Yeah. Because... His response is very interesting. It says, when the Roman officer overseeing the execution, okay, he was, he was the boss, mm-hmm. saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. Now, he, when he saw what had happened, okay, there was a good bit that had happened, you know. Yeah. From 12 to 3, it's dark. When they you know, stuck the spear in Jesus' side to make sure he was dead, which was common practice for a crucifixion to stab the heart, a ton of water came out, yep. you know? And he's just looking at this whole thing, looking at this scene and and the earthquake. Yeah. And then the temple curtain that split, maybe he didn't see that. Obviously, they weren't at the temple, but the earthquake happened. Yeah. So and those are man, things that are pointed to in other gospel accounts. Yeah. And he must have just fell to his knees and... Yeah. I was thinking that. Yeah. You know? Mark puts it this way in Mark 15, 39. This man truly was the son of God. Yeah, that's right. I think he's one in the crowd that got it. Yeah. You know, I like we so. were saying the criminals, one understood and embraced Christ. The other scoffed at it and rejected him. I think this Roman officer got it. And I want to go back to what you were talking about in communion, because one of the things Jesus said about communion, about that last supper is, do this as often as you will mm-hmm. in remembrance of me mm-hmm. so that we never forget this incident in his life, yeah. which was why he came. And that's why we keep calling it the cross. That's why the word, the cross, and the symbol of the cross is representative of the whole. Jesus says, keep remembering this. And this communion really was focused on the blood sacrifice. Yeah. It was his body broken and blood shed 
I know we're going to get to the resurrection, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And the, and the vic, the total victory that is, that is there. But I just think it's really interesting that this, it's this important even to Jesus. Yeah. Don't ever forget the sacrifice. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't get to the resurrection without going through the cross. Exactly. And Jesus right. would not get to the resurrection and ultimately to the ascension to be seated at the right hand of God without walking through the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking of the resurrection, we are going to be talking about that in the next episode because there is the victory. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait for that. Yeah. Why don't you pray? Lord, we again turn our eyes to the cross. We've looked at this before. Every Good Friday, we think about it, but we're thinking about it again today. Help us to understand and embrace the fact that Jesus was accomplishing on that cross a perfect sacrifice Mm -hmm. as a substitute for each of us. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray over the listeners that as they ponder this, they would take the response that the Roman officer took and that Mm -hmm. the one criminal took, that they would look at you and say, surely this is the Son of God, that you were on the cross accomplishing salvation on our behalf. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you.